so there, there is a story behind that for those of you who weren't at the pre-service prayer. Jane came in with a whole lot of nerve pain and issues and stuff going on to the point where she had to um, take enough drugs to get herself here, not driving, of course. <laughs> um, she got a lift. Um, and then when we prayed for her before, she said it kind of lifted about 50%, which is really good because it was affecting movement and things. That, that's good news, just in case you're wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. Um, that was a really underwhelming, that's good news. Just, just as a random thought, that's not, this is not in my notes anywhere, but what, what if the size of your breakthrough was related to the size of your rejoicing? Well, I know, I'm, asking, I'm posing it as a bit of a rhetorical question to provoke curiosity. Well, I, I, it's not because I don't know the answer. But thanks for, you know, <laughs> doing that next. Yeah, 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 it's good. Appreciate, appreciate that. You know, um... Was Elijah or Elisha? I'm a little smashed after that last song, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. But um, who, the number of times that he struck the ground, I mean, it was the king and the prophet said, it was the number of times he struck the ground was the number of victories that he would get. And I kind of like, sometimes the, the size of our response, the size of our willingness to just keep at it actually dictates the size of our breakthrough. So if that were the case, how would you want to rejoice? So you don't want much breakthrough then. See, we've got to learn how to rejoice really, really hard. See, when, when our team wins something, we rejoice pretty hard. Don't we? Oh, yeah. Philadelphia Eagles kicked oh, butt this week, yeah. didn't they? That was a whole God story right there. No time to explain it now. Either ask Jane or just look up Philadelphia Eagles God on Google and you'll find something that will probably encourage you a whole heap because their star player is actually training for full-time ministry and, um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and eagles are a very kingdom kind of... It is all very, very good. But, yeah, when our team wins, we, we don't have any problem shouting and cheering. There's something about this Aussie thing that needs to break where we learn to rejoice really heavy and really hard. You did it really good in worship, just quietly. That, that, that's the time to really let fly. But worship never stops, so let's keep that going. Um, I'm going to say one really practical... Actually, no, that can wait. Let's get into it. Um, yeah, no, I don't want to shift momentum. Yeah, yeah, no, hang the practicalities. Let's go after some stuff in spirit, and then we'll work out the practicalities. Um, I want to pick up from where Deb left off last week. Um, if you weren't here the last two weeks, get the podcast. Deb beautifully unpacked a whole lot of the stuff that we're vibing and feeling um, for the year of 2018. Um, last year, we, f- we felt really strongly, and this theme carried through the whole year, that it was the year of stepping into the fullness of who we really are, or at least beginning to take steps into the river, if you like. Beginning to take steps into who we really are so that the true us, the true Christ in us, was beginning to be expressed. We're starting to get some clarity. This year, this year we feel like it's really time to take some ground. It's like last year was a year of clarity and and it's not like that ends now. It's like if you didn't get clarity last year, well, bad luck, it's all over for you. You know, it's not like that at all. Everything of the previous year continues, but then we build on it. And 
as you get the clarity as to who you really are and you feel that permission to start to come alive and to start to be you, not who everyone else is expected to be, not who church has expected you to be, only who God has made you. And you know that because you feel really alive when that's you. You feel really happy and comfy in your own skin when you're in that place. And a lot of you I know, because I've walked with a lot of you, have taken some really amazing steps toward that. Now it's time to kick some butt and take some ground. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> no, that was encouraging this time. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's good. Um, so, I, <laughs> yeah, this time, this time. I want to pick up particularly on the taking ground part. And, you know, everyone say squeeze. Okay, you heard the squeeze, the squeeze of 2018. It's one of those times, and I'll pick up on this a little later, where we feel like, you know, at times you're going to feel like all of hell and all of heaven's breaking loose at the same time. And um, I, I have some, um, some, what I think are prophetic thoughts as to why that is, which I'll unfold shortly. But um, we're going to take some ground. And when I say we, I don't just mean us corporately, I mean you individually as well. You're going to take steps further into your destiny this year. You're going to start to occupy territory that you've never occupied before. You're going to start walking in things that you've never walked in before. You're going to start experiencing joy and breakthrough that you haven't experienced before. You're going to worship like you haven't before. You're going to pray for others like you haven't prayed for before. That's just this week. And then we're going to build from there. So where I want to pick up is... If we're going to take ground, I want to look at the world within us. I want to look at the world within you. Hello. <laughs> That's all right. She can come and play. That's not a problem at all. I want, to, I want to start with the world within you. What goes on inside of us? And I want to lay two foundations before I crack open to Joshua chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, an iPhone or whatever, if you want to start heading in the general direction of Joshua chapter 1, I will meet you there very, very shortly. I want to talk quickly about two foundations first. And foundation number one of the world within you and of taking ground is that we live from the inside out. Okay, we live from the inside out. In other words, what goes on inside of us is what ends up flowing out of us and through us. Proverbs 4.23, you've heard this scripture for many, many, many times. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. In other words, what? Proverbs 4.23, that was. But don't lose Joshua chapter 1, or you'll get really, really lost. And I'm not taking advantage of the loopy thing at all, Jane. <laughs> it should. It should. Um, Matthew 23, 26 and 28, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and was kind of giving them a bit of a... Um, a loving headbutt um, to the religious thing that they had going on. Um, and he said, you know, you, when he called them whitewashed tombs, he called them, he called them a lot of stuff, actually, which, you know, if any preacher or teacher kind of got up and did that today, they might get a little bit of a roasting and get voted out by the elders. Um, but um, one of the things Jesus said, he said, you know, you, you clean the outside of the cup, but on the inside, the cup is unclean. He said, you basically says, fools, if you clean the inside, the outside will also be clean. In other words, whatever you do on the inside impacts what happens on the outside. You can't just tidy stuff on the outside. In other words, you can't just work on your behaviour. You can't just work on, on the appearance and the externals because life is lived in the kingdom from the inside out. And I say in the kingdom, but it's like actually lived everywhere from the inside out. It's just the way life is. It's the way that you were created. 
we always live heart first. Um, Romans 10, 10, where it talks about um, with your heart you believe, your mouth, with your mouth that you confess. Your heart is your believer, your mouth is your confessor. And the ideal in the kingdom is my heart is so pregnant with something. My heart is so pregnant with what God is doing. What I declare out of my mouth actually speaks what God is doing and causes it to come into being. Little, oh mama. Okay, first rabbit trail. First rabbit trail of the night and I promise I'll come back. But I may need help. (laughs) There will be more. (laughs) So God spoke and worlds were created. I've probably covered this ground somewhere before. God spoke and worlds were created. In other words, from what came out of his mouth, stuff manifested and appeared in the material world. So what we know is when God speaks, atmospheres shift, things get created, things get brought into being that weren't there before. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, a couple of nods, a couple of nods. Okay, you're going, where, where are you taking this? Okay, here's where I'm taking this. So when God speaks something to your heart, when God implants something in your heart and your spirit, and you begin to speak that out and to declare that out, your words have creative power. Your words have power to shift atmospheres. Your words have power to break chains, to demolish strongholds, to open things up that weren't ever opened before. Now, some circles of the church will say, oh, be careful what you confess. Be careful what you confess. And there's truth to that, but we can get really religious about that too. But if I'm continually confessing something, it's not what's your confession, it's what's your belief. Because if you continue to confess something over here, the question is not why am I confessing that? The question is why does my heart believe that? Let's work there first. Otherwise, we set up this religious thing that says, I've got to say this, I've got to say this, I've got to be saying this, um, when it's not connected to what's going on inside of us. And the whole thing just becomes this performance-oriented thing, which eventually we go, this is too hard, stuff it. And we kind of melt down. So taking ground through you is preceded by taking ground in you. That's foundation number one. We live from the inside out. Foundation, and I'm going to unpack this when we get to Joshua chapter 1 a little more. Foundation number two is that the kingdom is always advancing. So the nature of the kingdom of God is always one of increase. Isaiah 9, 6, we often read it at Christmas. In front of us a child is born, in front of us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. And then verse 7 of Isaiah 9, it says, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Now, I'm told by some really nerdy science people, and I know there's a couple in the room. I won't mention Michelle's name. Um, but I'm told that the universe is continually expanding. Is that, is that a, a fair assumption? Hey, that, that is a correct assumption. The universe is continually expanding. So when God said, let there be light, and spoke the worlds into being, is it possible that because he didn't say, okay, stop now, that that word is continuing to create and expand the universe at this very moment? So that word that he spoke way back in Genesis 1 is still powerful and is still producing right now. Of the increase of his government and there will peace, there will be no end. In other words, the kingdom and government... 
Kingdom, government, that kind of fits. Peace, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. So of the increase of his government and of peace, in other words, of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. In other words, his kingdom, just like the universe is continually expanding, his kingdom continually is increasing. Which means if we're standing still, we're actually going backwards. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exciting? If we're standing still, we're actually going backwards. So... The two contexts in this taking ground, the two kind of foundations that I want to build on as we dive into Joshua chapter 1 are that we live from the inside out and that the kingdom is always increasing. The nature of the kingdom is always increasing. Therefore, this concept of taking ground is actually meant to be really normal. It's meant to be the normal Christian life because that's what his kingdom is like. So let's dive into Joshua chapter 1. And let's have a little bit of a look at this. Now, the context of Joshua chapter 1. As many of you will know, people of Israel, led by Joshua, now that Moses has died, are about to cross over the Jordan River. They're about to enter into the promised land. In other words, all that God has spoken to them for a really, really long time. Now, you may well be aware that the journey from Egypt to Israel was roughly a 40-day walk. Roughly speaking, you know, give or take, depending on traffic and whether their GPS got it right and, you know, all that. It's around a a, a 40-day walk. So Israel has been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In other words, they're 39 years, 10 months and a week late, or 10 months and three weeks late, getting into the promised land compared to how long it actually should take. So for 40 years, for a whole generation, they've been wandering around, wandering around, wandering around. And now they're about to enter in. Some of you might be feeling like, you know, I've been wandering around. I've been wandering around. God's spoken all these things. I haven't seen it. Struggling to believe it. Because I haven't seen it yet. Keep hearing all these promises. Keep hearing all these prophecies. Haven't seen it yet. I think Israel would probably understand how you feel. Because a whole generation died in the desert not seeing what God had promised for reasons which we know and I don't have time to unpack. So they are now about to step into the land that God has promised them. They're actually about to cross over and put their very own feet into the territory that God has given them. And God speaks to Joshua in that situation. And my feel is, and I've been feeling this since um, early December, I've been brewing this word. So look out. They're about to cross over. We're about to take ground. What did God speak to the dude that said, you're leading the people into the promised land? What did God speak into that situation? Let's have a look. So Joshua chapter one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, again, think about this. Moses was all the people had known. This was a massive transition in so many ways. Everything that they had known, everything that had got them up until that point was about to become strikingly irrelevant because what got them to where they are isn't going to get them to where they're going. The the change of leadership from Joshua to Moses wasn't just kind of like an organisational CEO succession plan. This was a really, really significant transition for the people of God. They are going to need an upgrade in the way that they're thinking. Because all they've known is slavery and desert. They haven't known promised land. 
They haven't known how to live. They haven't known how to take ground. They haven't known how to occupy ground. All they've known is getting beaten up. And that was 400 years, like 10 generations. Think about that. Think of 10 generations before you. That's a really long time. (laughs) That's going back into the 1600s. Before even Australia, that, this is going, thank you, that's an excellent point. That's going back before even Australia was founded as a nation. They had only known slavery. And then they came out of slavery and in the context of that, they went, you know what, this sucks. Let's go back to Egypt because <laughs> often we want to go back to what's familiar because it's a whole lot easier. And now they're about to take ground and they've never done this before. No one in their tribe has ever been there before. That's, that, that's a significant transition. Now, verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. In other words, what God's doing to Joshua here is he's mapping out his territory. He's saying, this is your realm where you're going to kick butt. This is, the, this is the part where you're going to take ground. In other words, he sets out his territory. Now, I want to ask you the question, do you actually know the territory that God has in front of you? Talked a lot about that last year. And if you weren't there or you just need to do it again, it's all up there on the podcast. It's all freely available. Go back over that stuff and have a look because yeah, Deb talked over the last couple of weeks about purposing in your heart. What are you purposing in your heart in 2018? And the boundaries of the territory that God has given you is a big input to what are you purposing in your heart. Now, it may not be taking the entire land. That might be a little bit much. In fact, even God said to Israel, as you increase, I will drive out the giants in the land because if I gave it all to you at once, it would be too much for you and the land would be overcome with beasts. So even the people of Israel, with God leading them, took it a little bit at a time. But I feel like this year we're actually meant to purpose in our heart. What's the piece of ground I'm going to take this year? What's the thing I'm going to overcome? What's the giant I'm going to kill? What's the obstacle I'm going to step through, step past? What's the step of faith? As Deb said, what am I purposing in my heart? And it comes from knowing the territory that God has spoken to you. That's ground we've covered a lot. And again, please pick it up again. If you're unclear, don't be afraid to ask for help. Now, verse 5. This is where God promises who he will be. He says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So, you're transitioning. Here's your territory. Here's who I'm going to be to you. That's not a bad foundation. One of the foundations for taking ground is knowing who God is to you, knowing who God is going to be to you, understanding his character and his nature. Some of the the most important revelation you can ever ever have is about the character and nature of God. The second most important is the nature of you, is who you are. Everything else comes out of that. Now, God promises who he is going to be. Why would he do that? Why is that important? Because they're going to face some pretty large giants in the land. And if Joshua's view of who God is wasn't wasn't bigger than his view of who the giants were, he was going to be in some serious trouble. Now, that happened back in Numbers chapter 13, Joshua and Caleb's time, um, back when Moses was still around. 
and 12 spies were sent into the promised land to go in, have a look around, see what was there, check it out. What's the vibe? What's the lay of the land? Is there Wi-Fi there? You know, all of that kind of stuff. Is anyone awake? Yeah? yeah? yeah okay, good. They didn't have Wi-Fi. I know, it's a bummer. It's why they pulled out. They said, we're not taking that until there's Wi-Fi. That's a joke. Um, mildly funny. Um, Ten of the twelve spies came back and all their perspective was, was how big those giants were. Oh my goodness, we looked like grasshoppers in our eyes and we felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And Joshua and Caleb were the two that stood up and went, yeah, no, our God's way bigger than those giants. Let's go. Because if God is with us, we can surely do it. You see, if we're going to take ground, we need to know who our God is. We need to know the power of his name. We need to know that, you know, it's a song that we've sung for a while. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. If you haven't got that revelation yet, just camp there until your whole heart and spirit is just oozing the bigness of who he is. And, and no matter what you see with your natural eyes, you just know, hey, my God is greater. My God is stronger. Now, so he started with, okay, you're transitioning. Here's your territory. Here's who I'm going to be to you. Now, what does God do next? I find this fascinating because we often read through this. You know, he says, be strong and courageous. And Michael W. Smith wrote a great song about that, which is really showing my age um, about now. Um, and I'm not going to sing it. Um, but what is God doing? He says, you're transitioning. Here's your territory. Now here's who I'm going to be. What God starts to do now is he starts to speak to Joshua's internal state. This is why I'm talking about the world within us. He starts to speak to what is going on inside Joshua. So he says, be strong and courageous. That's, that's an internal state. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. <laughs> as if what he said in the last sentence wasn't enough. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Here he goes again. Be strong and courageous. And he backs it up with a, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever I go. In other words, he finishes off with who he is. Now, if someone continually tells you, be strong and courageous and don't be afraid, unless that is the words coming from the very mouth of God, and when words come from the mouth of God, they contain within it the power to fulfill what those words say. If it wasn't for that, the more someone tells me, be strong and courageous, the more scared I'm getting. <laughs> Because if he's got to tell me that three or four times, there's a fair chance what I'm about to face is going to really suck. <laughs> so lucky that God's word contains, as Luke one thirty seven, no word spoken by God does not contain the ability to fulfill itself. I know it says you know, no word spoken by God well, nothing is impossible with God is the way that verse is often rendered in Luke one thirty-seven. But if you go back to the original, it literally means no word spoken by God is without power. In other words, nothing that God says lacks the power to actually fulfill itself. So he speaks to his internal state. Now, what was the idea of this? I want to suggest the idea of this was to create an internal ecosystem within Joshua. An internal ecosystem of 
of thinking, of belief, and of faith that would naturally cause him to advance. This is, this is super, super important. I believe that God was speaking to Joshua's internal state because he wanted to create within Joshua an internal state that would cause him to naturally advance. Depending on which version um, you read, uh, verse 7, the end of verse 7 where it says that you may be successful wherever you go. Other versions say that you will make your way prosperous. Interesting language. God's saying you will make your way prosperous Not I will make your way prosperous, but you will make your way prosperous right after he speaks to his internal state. Are we we making sense here? So how? So he says, you will make your way prosperous. Be strong and courageous. Speak to your internal state that you may prosper wherever you go. And then he says, uh, he, he tells Joshua how. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and successful. So what was the book of the law? Now, we might think of it as a, as, as a book of rules and regulations. The book of the law was the record of what God had said. In other words, keep the record of what God has said in front of you. Now, notice he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. He doesn't say, keep it always on your Kindle or always on your iPad. Always on your iPad. Yeah, because there's no Wi-Fi. That's right. (laughs) Boom. He doesn't say keep it in front of your eyes or keep it in front of your ears. He says keep it on your lips. What does that mean? You've got to speak it out. But then from what we said a moment ago, how's he going to speak it out? Because he says meditate on it day and night. The word meditate, the most literal way we can think of it is to chew over it like a cow chews over its cud, like it swallows it. It's really gross. It swallows it. And then it kind of regurgitates it back up again. It chews it over again, then swallows it again. And then it brings it back up again, chews it over. I know, it's awesome, isn't it? You really need to get a visual of this. (laughs) Meditate, chew it over, stir on it, brew on it. Because as you let what God has said actually impact you on the inside, the most natural thing in the world is you are going to speak out of that. Now, this isn't just an Old Testament concept. Um, and even in the sense, you know, looking at the, the book of the law, you might go, well, it was very specific to the law and it was very specific to, you know, Joshua. And, but that kind of thinking, Paul said to Timothy um, in 1 Timothy 1.18, and this is one I've talked about many, many times, particularly over the past year. Um, Paul said to Timothy, in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. In other words, Paul said to Timothy, the prophecies made about you, the things that God has said specifically to you, the things he has said about you through others, through Scripture, uh, through his own voice, they are the things that will help you to, to wage a good warfare. And if you read that verse in the Amplified, which is very, very loud, because it's Amplified, I think I've cracked that one before and I think it went just about as well as it did then. Um, <laughs> 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 
The Amplified says, inspired, inspired and aided by the prophecies. In other words, it's not just I sit there and I read them. I chew them over. I read them until they actually birth life in me. Then I can speak out of them. Too many of us take our prophecies as well. They, they're just gonna, if God said it, well, it's going to happen. And that's, that's better than God said it. It's not going to happen. But there's a process of intimacy with the Father and with the Spirit around our prophecies where we actually have to take them, keep them in front of us and let them birth life and faith in us. Then we can speak out of them. In other words, there's a process of partnership to bring your destiny about. It's not just something that God's going to rock up to your doorstep with a mighty big angel one day and go, boom, here it is. You are actually created to co-labor with Him. So this inside out, meditate on the things that God has said is a very New Testament concept as well. And then in 2 Timothy um, chapter 1, verse 6 um, and verse 7, Paul is again talking to Timothy. Now, if you understand Timothy, he was a naturally a pretty timid dude. He was a bit of a scaredy cat. And Paul says to him, I, for this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you by the laying on of my hands. And he says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Now, in our day and age, we understand loads about personalities. We know that some are really introverted, some are really extroverted, some are really lively, and I do all of that stuff for a living. So, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of understanding who we are and how we're wired. There's one danger in that concept, and that is our personality can become bigger than the person of the Holy Spirit in us. And this is where Paul kicks that to the curb. And he, he's basically saying, Timothy, I know that you're naturally a really timid person, but that part of who you are, God didn't put that there. He didn't give us a spirit of timidity. So here's your answer. Fan into flame the gift of God that's within you. And I talked about that in um, one of the words that I gave last year. Um, because it says, because God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. In other words, don't let your personality become bigger than the person of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Get your personality infused with the person and then let's see what it looks like. So he says, get what God has said in front of you. As a foundation for taking ground, your foundation is, here's your territory. Here's who God is to you. Now, brew over what I've said until you're absolutely pregnant with it so that you speak out of it. And when you speak out of it, your words are spirit and they are life because you're speaking the words of God. Yet the word confess literally means, the word confess in Greek is the word homo legia. It literally means same word. So when you're confessing, we often think of confessing as, I'm such a scumbag. I'm so filthy. I'm such a sinner. All of that kind of religious stuff. Um, and... Actually, biblically, I'm a scumbag is actually not confession. That's deception. Because I'm not saying the same word as God, because that's not what God says about me. Actually, he says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That means scumbag got drowned in the baptismal tank. Scumbag didn't rise again. New life rose again. I thought that was kind of worthy of some happiness. That is good news. <laughs> Keep what God has said in front of you. I mean, I've harped on about this for a year and I'm going to harp on about it for another year <laughs> because this is how we take ground. 
Now, I want to look at just a couple of pragmatic applications of this before we, uh, before we bring this puppy into land. The kingdom of God is advancing. It's an inside-out journey. So a really pragmatic application, and this is, this is a bit of an internal thing. It's not like, okay, take four steps here, turn right and go through that door. Um, read this passage, read that book, take that pill. It's, it's kind of like, it, it's something we've got to actually do with our heart and mind. And that is, we need to focus more on who we are becoming than what we're doing. Now, who we are becoming, you know, when you hear that in church, there's a fair chance you're going to think about that as a moral imperative, as in, am I behaving, am I being a good boy or a good girl kind of thing? I'm not talking about that at all. I could make a couple of jokes there, but that would be distracting, so I'm not going to jump down that rabbit hole. So too many of us spend our time, at the beginning of the week, like when we go home tonight, we'll think, now, what have I got to do this week? We think through all the task lists, okay, I've got to be there, I've got to do this, I've got to get the kids ready for that, I've got to pack to go away, I've got to run that thing, I'm going to come back, then I've got that meeting, then I've got that meeting, and then I've got to do that, and by the end of the week, I've got to make sure that's done. All right, make a plan. Then I get to the end of the week and I look back and go, okay, have I done everything that I was supposed to do? And if I have, I go, woohoo. And in the seriously likely event that I haven't, <laughs> I go, oh, bummer, what am I going to do? And I make up some kind of plan to hopefully get it done maybe next week or the week after or something like that. And I'm just talking about my own life right now. But this is, this is what we tend to do. We focus on what are we doing? What have I got to do this week? Did I get done what I had to do this week? What we don't often ask the question is, who am I becoming? How have I walked this week in a way that is increasing my resilience, that's increasing my ability to, to carry more weight into the, in the kingdom? You know, when Jesus said to the disciples, and I often use this as a joke because my ability to speak usually exceeds people's concentration span, if you know what I'm saying. Some of you are going, amen, I'm feeling it right now. It's okay, I'm, I'm nearly there. <laughs> so my ability to speak exceeds usually people's attention span to remain listening and focused. And I often say as a joke, you know, I have much more to say, but you cannot bear it now. Now, Jesus said that to disciples. What Jesus wasn't saying was, we've run out of time, guys, I need to call it. <laughs> what Jesus was saying in that moment is, if I keep talking into this thing, my words create worlds. I'm going to create something. I'm going to create a realm, a thing in the spirit, which you don't yet have the, the internal capacity to actually hold that revelation yet. And if I released it over you right now, it would destroy you. Yeah, a bit like when he said to Israel, you know, as you increase, I will drive them out because if I drove them all out now in a single day, the land would become too numerous for you. In other words, you can't carry it yet. So I'm not going to release that over you yet because the weight of it will destroy you. You don't have the capacity in heart and spirit to carry that. So the question is, am I increasing? Am I increasing in my ability to take ground, my ability to carry more weight? See, this is something that high-level athletes and a lot of high-level business leaders know a lot about because it's where their mindset spends a huge amount of time. They're not just thinking... Am I running this week? But how can I increase my capacity so I can run the same distance faster? So I can run the same distance longer? How can I build my endurance? A lot of high-level business leaders that, are really, uh, that really know how to manage their world and not be at the mercy of everything around them are always looking at their world and going, 
how can I press in to be more effective? How can I carry more? How can I take this to, to a greater level of increase? It may be a greater level of profitability because you know, people aren't in business to lose money, typically, though some would wonder. Um, but they're, they're always thinking, how can I increase my own capacity? And it's not just to get more done, it's actually to take more ground. I want to suggest there's something that we can all learn about that. Is the capacity of my heart increasing? Is the capacity of my mind? I remember I've told you, you know, before, there was a point um, in my business world where I took on a whole lot more stuff, but I kept thinking at exactly the same level I'd been thinking for the previous two years, so I just got busier and busier. In other words, I tried to take more ground, didn't change the way I thought, didn't change the way I operated, so I just got busier. And after a few months of that, I started to get crankier. <laughs> um, and then eventually, I kind of woke up and went, oh, duh. I've increased my responsibility without increasing my, my patterns of thinking. I, I needed an upgrade in my, in my thinking in order to hold a greater weight of stuff, a greater weight of responsibility. So what I'm saying is, we need to keep asking ourselves the question, who am I becoming? Am I, is my world getting bigger? My ability to carry more revelation is one thing, but my ability to take more ground in the kingdom, to carry more weight, more responsibility. I'm not talking about tasks. I'm talking about your destiny. Because for many of us, if God released the fullness of our destiny onto our current life, it would destroy us. Because we don't have the, the infrastructure to handle it. It's a bit like, a little bit like what some governments have done in this state. Let's create all these more houses, but let's not build any infrastructure for the sake of that. And what happens? Things break. So God is kinder to you than that. He's a good planning minister. He says, I'm going to build the infrastructure in you so that you can carry more. And I'm not going to release it over you until you can carry it. Now, his idea of when you can carry it and ours are often different. He's often ahead of us. Yeah, so awesome. Isaiah 54, I'm not going to look at it, but it's a scripture we know where he says, yeah, expand your tent pegs, enlarge your tent. In other words, we're not called to go, I just need to minimize my life. We're actually called to take territory because the kingdom is always advancing. Now, what's happening in the spirit right now? One of the things I believe is that the spirit is after ground in you. And when I say you, I mean me too because I'm experiencing this and it's a whole lot of fun in a really, I'm going for a medical examination kind of way. <laughs> yeah. So he wants to take ground in you, not because he wants to control you, but because he wants to bless and to prosper you. See, the funny thing about God, and I don't mean ha-ha, I, I don't even know why I said it that way, but the thing about God is he is more committed to your destiny than you are. The cross tells me that very, very loudly. And he who has begun a good work and you will see it through to completion. He's very committed to your destiny. And his desire is to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future, not to harm you, to shame you. One of the things I'm observing all over the place, and this is not just in our church, I'm observing this globally right now. And if you watch the news at all, you may notice a lot of stuff's coming into the light right now. A lot of stuff's being exposed. Um, you, you may have heard of Harvey Weinstein. You may have never heard of him before. What you probably didn't know is he was a very, very powerful figure in Hollywood and basically ran the place. Um, had a few, let's call it issues, um, in the way that he went about his business. 
and um, it's all come into the light. And there, there is you know, Don Burke, um, Craig McLaughlin. Yeah, there, there are names that we know everywhere that stuff is coming out into the light. For some reason, I, I feel like the whole citizenship thing, regardless of where you stand on that debate, and I, have, I could say many things about that, not the purpose of right now, but things are coming up, things are being exposed, things that are not right are coming into the light and are being seen. And for some of us, what's happening is all of our crap, our stuff, our brokenness, our pain, stuff that in previous seasons has been able to stay nice and dormant and under the surface, it's like, whoop, it's up at the surface. How fun is that? So fun. Not. <laughs> it's all up at the surface. Why? Because... He wants to heal you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to take ground. And that thing has got an expiry date on it and it's kind of up. And if it hangs around too long, it's going to start to smell. <laughs> a, bit like a, a bit like a bottle of milk. So if you are feeling right now, I wrote this down. If you are feeling like all your crap is in front of you right now and you can't see much else, here's an encouraging word. There's a good chance you're right in the middle of what the Spirit is doing. In you and in us corporately. And across the world. And this is where that whole thing I said before of all heaven and all hell breaking loose at the same time. The, the feeling like all hell is breaking loose is all my stuff is hitting the surface. And that feels like hell. Let's be real. It's not fun. But it's in that very context that all heaven starts to break loose. That the healing start to come. The chains start to drop off. Hope starts to arise. Faith starts to arise. Now the enemy wants to jump on the back of what God is doing. And if you don't understand what and discern what God is doing. The enemy wants to jump on the back and just, while you're feeling all that stuff, he's going to be in your ear going, see, told you you were no good, told you you'd never amount to anything. And the enemy just comes in and he gets in our ear and he just wants to mess with our head. And if you don't understand that it's actually God that's surfacing things to heal you, you'll get, my technical term is sucked into the yuck of how your crap feels and how it feels when your crap is at the surface and someone's pointing at it all the time with an accusatory tone. That's not fun. Any of you who had siblings would know what that's like. I feel like that, for, I don't know if this is true for all of us, but I feel like for some this is really, really important. There was a, a religious kind of notion that was around when I was growing up that said, who you are at your worst is who you really are. Any of you ever heard that? Who you are at your worst is who you really are. That may have been true in the Old Testament. You know, when Jeremiah says, the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. But like I said before, I got good news. See, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I want to suggest... Actually, let me, let, let me use The Lion King because it's just a wonderful biblical movie. Remember Simba. Simba was the heir to be king. I'm not going to show the movie. It's okay. <laughs> Simba was the heir to be king. And he felt like he was responsible for killing his father, Mufasa. But he actually wasn't. That was his uncle, Scar, who orchestrated the whole thing and left Simba with the, the, the whole the blame and the feeling of that. So Simba goes AWOL and goes into Hakuna Matata land. And in Australia, we call that, she'll be right, mate. Goes into Hakuna Matata land and just escapes from everything, has a great time, hanging around. 
until this monkey called Rafiki rocks up into his world, who I think is a type of the Holy Spirit, and just starts whacking him around. Starts making his life unpleasant. He was having a great old time. It was awesome. He's Hakuna Matataing around and dancing, and it was just all cool until Rafiki rocks up and starts reminding him of a few things. And then finally, it culminates when, his fa- when Simba's father, Mufasa, appears to him in the clouds. And you remember the words that Mufasa said to Simba? What was it? Simba. Say it loud. Remember who you are. So Simba was out in, I'm going to medicate my pain land. I'm going to escape. And his father's voice did not show up. You need to watch this movie again, seriously. (laughs) His father's voice did not show up and say, what you're doing now, that's who you really are. You need to repent. That's not what happened in the swirly clouds. The father's voice came to remind him of who he really was. See, who he was at his worst, that was when he forgot who he was. Who you are at your worst, that's when you forget who you are. It's not who you are. And the voice of the father, the voice of good friends, spirit-led people, when I'm at my worst, come in and say, remember who you really are. Remember who you really are. See, you might be feeling like all your stuff's at the surface right now. And if it is, it's actually the spirit. So you can actually tell the enemy to get nicked and listen to the voice of the father because he wants to speak into that and he wants to show you who you really are. Because when you know who you really are, boy, are you going to take ground. And it is the one thing the enemy is most afraid of. Jesus didn't have any insecurities around who he was. He knew exactly who he was. And so when the enemy did his best, the enemy still didn't stand a chance. And his greatest fear is like father, like son, like father, like child is a whole company of people that know exactly who they are. They know their territory to take. And they've built this internal ecosystem of faith in them by by meditating, brewing over and getting pregnant with what God has said to the point where we can't help but make our own way prosperous because of the internal state created by the voice of God in us that says, I can't help but take ground. Can't help but take ground. I can't help but expand. Try and stop me. Can't do it. Let's stand. Why don't you put your hands on the shoulders of the person next to you? Obviously, make sure the other person's comfortable with that. <laughs> now, I want you to say, just pick a side, because if I say turn to the left, everyone will turn to the left, and then the person on the left most will be facing no one. So just find someone next to you, and I want you to look him in the eye, and I want you to say, you are a child of God, You were created to take ground. Remember who you are. Now, turn to the person on the other side and do the same thing. You are a child of God. You are created to take ground. Remember who you are. So Holy Spirit, we ask for your voice to continually remind us who we are even in the midst of our stuff coming to the surface.
So, you, you know, so I'm stopping praying and I'm just teaching again for a second and I'm going to keep praying. Can't help it. You know the process of refining gold? They put it through the fire, all the dross comes to the surface, they flick it off the top and the gold is now purified. That's what he's doing with you. You might feel like you're in the fire and all you can see is all the dross on the top and the spirit's about to go. And what's left behind is gold refined by fire. So Holy Spirit, we just say we want to cooperate with you. We want to cooperate with your refining fire. We say more fire, more fire, more fire. Please, God, let it happen quickly because we don't want to be stuck here any longer than we have to be. <laughs> let us move quick. Let us get it quick. We don't have to walk around. We'll have to walk around the mountain for 40 years before we get it. Let us get it quick. But God, thank you that in this transition, as we move into take ground, you have promised who you will be to us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. In other words, you will always be present and you will always be active because that is who you are. That will never change. Now I ask over all of us, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us to the things that you have said, that it would create such an ecosystem of faith within us that we wouldn't be able to be stopped from taking ground. Bring those things to mind. Bring them to heart. Cause us to find them on journals and, and, and diary entries and recordings and all sorts of things that we'd even forgotten. I was reminded in the last week or so um, of, of a prophetic thing that God did with me um, it was around 2006, 2007. That's more than 10 years ago now. I'd completely forgotten about it. And just in the middle of something, God went, hey, remember this? I'm like, oh my goodness. And it helped make so much sense of what God was doing right now. So God, let the things come back to us supernaturally. Things that we've forgotten and those things that we know and remember. Let us meditate, let us brew, let us stew over them until we're pregnant with them. We can't help but speak them out. And we say, we are a people that take ground. We are kingdom people. And of the increase of your kingdom and of peace, there will be no end. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, yeah. yeah.